And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. This podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we blew in. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we can't laugh, we will cry. Jordan, I just looked down and I happened to be wearing a blue shirt. I didn't I didn't even realize that when, when we started the podcast, but... Uh, should we just take a moment? Should we just take a moment as a collective hosts and listeners to take a deep breath and just try to put ourselves in a good place? Okay, be- let's do. I actually know how to do this. Okay, everybody. If you're listening to this podcast, take both of your palms and put them facing down so your fingers are facing towards your waist. Put them on the sides of your rib cage and your fingers will be facing down towards your waist and sort of squeeze just very slightly, not 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 an Aaron Donald squeeze, like squeeze just very, not a Leonard <laughs> Floyd squeeze, just squeeze very lightly. And we're going to go in for four and out for five. And then we're going to get started. Okay. okay. Everyone ready? Mm-hmm. And breathe in. And out. That actually feels really good. Okay, yeah, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, what what do you got for me, Rich? <laughs> I, I think we should put. I think we should put this in the athletic app. We could have guided meditation, with Jordan, <laughs> after every Rams loss. Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to trust somebody who's as highly caffeinated as I constantly am to relax, but <laughs> yes. I do know how to relax also. <laughs> well, Jordan, I mean, we uh, we we jest a bit, but uh, Rams fans are upset, and I understand it was a bad game. 37 to 20 lost to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. I was trying to think, Jordan, um, context is important, but given the situation and given how talented this team was, one of the worst losses of the Sean McVay era, I think, Um, just because of how well this team had been playing and, and what the expectations had been. And everything like that. You, you can look at a couple last year. I mean, the Jets loss last year was terrible. But, I mean, things were going in the wrong direction anyway. Um, this one just kind of came out of left field where you thought Rams team's humming. Everything's going great. Well, most things are going great. And then you just, like, the engine fell out yesterday. So, yeah, what happened? Well, a lot of things, as it turns out, uh, it's never going to be just one thing. Uh, and if it is, you're probably lucky because you can kind of count that as a fluke, right? If it's just one thing. Um, but this was just, I, I called it in my column, The Pile, which is up for the athletic.com right now, um, a complimentary loss. And that's complimentary with an E, not an I, because I certainly will not be complimentary of this loss. Um, 
a little wordplay to start your morning. But I think I think that um, it's it's many things, and this is I'm gonna speak over simply, and then we're gonna sort of break down certain facets of it, and we're gonna kind of get granular into some of this stuff. So to to oversimplify it, so the the defense was awful. Okay, they were good in certain spots, but it wasn't enough, and they were overall they were not they were not good. The offense was awful most of the game. The offense turned the ball over two times, and one time in terrible field position for the Rams' defense backed up in a sudden change situation after they had already been giving up kind of big yards on the field. Um, special teams, a couple of flashes of positivity there. Tutu Atwell getting in there on punt return. He's very close to breaking one open, I think. But then you get a missed field goal. Then you get field goals being kicked where they shouldn't be kicked. Uh, we'll, we'll get to all of this, but it was a complimentary loss in the sense that it, what I mean specifically by that is the Rams knew by bringing in a third defensive coordinator in Raheem Morris, a third defensive coordinator in three years, they knew and, and asking him to run a scheme he'd never run before. He had to learn it first and now is is trying to also teach it while they're running it and troubleshooting it. And clearly there are troubles that need to be <laughs> um, worked through here. And they lost a couple of personnel, which we've been talking about since they lost the personnel. And you're going to expect, even if even if you keep everybody the same, even if you keep everybody exactly the same, you, you somehow miraculously pull off what the Tampa Bay Bucks did in free agency and bring everybody back and pull, and you keep your coach and everything, you're still going to probably regress on defense. That's just what probabilities and statistics tell us about the NFL and the way that it is set up to drag every team in the league down to eight and eight as best it can. And the outliers are the ones who push through and make the playoffs each year. And it's, it's a lot of just wading through that, right? This team was, was probably in, if we're, if we're looking at probabilities, this team was almost definitely going to regress on defense year over year, even if every other variable stayed the same, it certainly was going to regress you know, changing personnel, changing coaching in, in certain ways. So what they hoped, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, and I've written about it a lot, what they hoped is that the additions on offense would help lift them through some of that natural regression. And it would it would overcompensate and and help in a way where it had not previously, the defense was sort of carrying the team uh, last last season. And and th- by making these changes on offense, including bringing Matthew Stafford in, some of the personnel additions they made, some of the design, some of the changes that we've been, been documenting and discussing, was supposed to and is supposed to, and I have no reason to believe that it won't continue to do this after this game, help lift sort of be the tide that lifts some of that regression and and sort of put, puts a band-aid over it hides it a little bit and helps even things out uh, to be kind of more of a complete team instead of a lopsided team because if you're a complete team you can get pretty far in the in the playoffs so that didn't happen the offense was was awful um, on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I don't even know if I have repeated the score yet 37-20 loss. Seven of those points came in absolute garbage time um, by the Rams. They had scored 13 points through most of the game. Um, And that, you know, turned the ball over two times. Both times were Cardinals touchdowns. This was a team where you always expected 
you're going to have to get into a shootout with the Cardinals at this point because the way that their offense is clicking, they're like the fifth team in history to start the season 4-0 and while also scoring 30-plus points a game. You knew you were going to get into some issues if you couldn't consistently put points on the board. The Rams went um, for a long stretch of time in the middle of the game uh, with only four points, three, excuse me, three points accumulated on, I think it was five consecutive drives, four or five consecutive drives. And you just can't, you can't do that. You can't have that happen. And you certainly can't get into a deficit early by turning, specifically turning the ball over and then um, playing from behind changes your game plan and all of these things. So I promised I would oversimplify this. Basically what I'm saying is if you have built your year and your structure and your philosophy on as a whole, to make sure that the offense can keep you in the green enough to make up for when the defense may be in the red um, and lift the average in that way, um, and then it doesn't do that, you're going to have a big freaking issue. And the Rams did. Yeah, that's that is, I love that term, complimentary. <laughs> and, and it really does describe what was going on because a lot of it is is so hand-in-hand, hand, Jordan. And, and I think – you know, people are obviously upset about the defense. Rams fans are obviously upset, and I, and I understand. Um, it, but they also, I, I think there was a little bit of a push toward this defense has been has been awful all year. And I read that, and I went, okay, I understand that's coming from a pa- place of frustration, a place of anger, because the game, you know, hadn't gone the way you wanted it to go. Um, I don't know whether that's necessarily true. Um, and what happened in this game was, from my perspective anyway, some of the things that we saw over the first couple of games popped up again, and we've been talking about those things. You've been writing about those things. The explosive plays, the catch and runs, the um, the 20-plus the, the yard plays that you're supposed to be eliminating in this defense. We've been talking about that for three weeks now, how those plays have been coming up and how that's a problem. Uh, but what the Rams were able to do in previous games is, yeah, that wasn't great, but they were able to, to kind of handle other aspects of the opponent, particularly the run game. Uh, even when these these kind of big stretch plays were happening, the Rams were shutting down the run against Chicago, against Indianapolis, against Tampa Bay. Uh, these teams did not get going on the ground, even though a couple of them had some some really good running backs. And what you saw, what we saw yesterday was just a complete inability to stop anything. Uh, not only could they not stop Kyler Murray from moving the ball in the air, they also couldn't stop Kyler Murray, Murray from moving the ball on the ground himself with his legs, and they couldn't stop Chase Edmonds, who had 12 carries for 120 yards. The uh, Arizona Cardinals averaged 5.4 yards per rush as a team. So that you just can't have that happen. It, it goes without saying, but what really fell apart there was that these are the same kind of issues that the Rams had been having with some of these explosive pass plays. But when you pair that also with an inability to, to stop the run, I mean, shoot, like Cliff Kingsbury had to be sitting there just going, well, I can, I can pretty much, you know, close my eyes and, and blindly point to something on the play sheet because the Rams just aren't going to stop anything right now. And, and that was really the problem when you have a full kind of, systems breakdown like that it was just kind of shocking uh to see so i i don't know jordan i mean do we uh, and and i saw i also saw you know some people online social media say hey you know what it's it's one game you you, you give them one clunker um and and by the way arizona really impressive let's let's not lose sight of that too I, you can we can talk all we want about how the rams defense was terrible kyler murray was fantastic 
love watching that guy anyway in any scenario. But wow, was he on it? And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury calling a great game. Uh, but the Rams have some stuff to work on here. And not only that, but they've only got a couple days to work on it because guess who? The Seattle Seahawks are waiting up there for the Rams to come to town on Thursday night football. So there's not a whole lot of turnaround here. There's not a lot of practice time. And the Rams have quite a few things that they need to fix. Yeah, and it's it's shaping up to be another really competitive, uh, maybe perhaps like frustrated matchup. I saw late last night um, some of the reporters in Seattle were asking Russell Wilson about the Cabo comments from the Rams mm. last year. So, like for me, I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> I don't like I don't like Twitter in general, so I just kind of like stay away from any any of that kind of thing. But like it's people are those those players. Are, probably have things saved and uh Russell Wilson's response I believe I'd have to you know I may be paraphrasing but his response was like well they ended up there too so it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit hostile I think and it's gonna be competitive and it's gonna be physical and and it's it's a short week so that's that's going to be a huge challenge. And, you know, it's a short week for both teams, right? So that's – and the let's not forget either. I mean, this, the Seahawks did win on on Sunday, but they also had a, a tough matchup in the 49ers. So it's going to be – it's going to be two teams who I think are tired. And when you're tired, you wonder some of the fundamentals and the execution and all of that. So um, I'm not re- – like, I know these guys want to roll over and turn over this game. And it sounds like at some points they won't even have time to watch – and really deconstruct this tape in the way that they maybe need to. And it would come after whatever happens in Seattle. Um, and, ex- uh, you know, excluding the coaching staff, because those guys are probably working, um, you know, 49 hour days, 25, 25 hour days, 49 hour to a day is like, I think um, th- those guys are probably breaking this down actually as we speak as well, um, if not late last night. But I'm the reason why I, I think we, really do need to deconstruct this yesterday, even though I think, you know, every every team's going to have a fluke game every once in a while. I think the Jets game last year that the Rams, when the Rams lost to the Jets and SoFi, that could probably be counted as, as one of those for that year. Um, you know, it, you're, it's very rare that you're just going to keep, you're going to roll like that through September and then just keep cruising with no bumps in the road. So, um, you know, I, I I'm even as an optimist, like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen every time, right? Um, some of the mistakes compounded in such ways that you, you just, it, it just surprised you that to see some of the sloppiness in, in certain phases. Um, but I think we should start. I, I think we should start with, uh, with the defense, Rich. Um, when you talk about Kyler Murray and Kyler, I agree with you, played an incredible game. He certainly played the best game I have watched him play uh, it, again, you know, specifically as it pertains to playing the Rams in the last since he came in the league. And I'm not talking about his numbers, really. I'm not talking about and I don't think they called anything fancy either. I think they called simple things that worked really well because they were smartly executed. And that and then Kyler Murray and the decisions he made did the rest. And what I mean by that is I'll start I'll start in the pass game. So Kyler Murray they've got so okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> there's so much to unpack. So I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll start here. So he was able to very scientifically deconstruct the Rams defense in terms of where it would be more favorable for him to throw the ball. 
And you saw that manifest in the way that he was attacking David Long in specific matchups. Uh, when DeAndre Hopkins was was aligned with David Long and when A.J. Green was aligned with David Long. And David Long, uh, you know, I, I pulled up their numbers today. Um, David Long Jr. gave up five passes on five targets, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, two of those came on one drive and a hold. Um, as well as uh, the play that started the drive was a uh, a run play, and David, you, you probably I don't think the broadcast shows it on the screen, and we'll we'll bring this up again in a couple minutes. But also uh, got a one on one with a blocker and and was blocked out of the play essentially to help spring a run on that to set up that drive. So you could see the threads that they were pulling at. Jalen Ramsey's plan in the star makes it so, and and he was very effective uh, on on Sunday, uh, four targets, one reception against 18 yards total. Um, And DeAndre Hopkins was very limited, and he was in the slot at times when he was outside, um, especially in crucial passing situations. Jalen was aligned outside with him. Jalen was aligned, aligned outside in crucial passing situations, especially in short fields with A.J. Green as well. Um, and uh, had two pass breakups and then um, sort of helped uh, rattle, I think, A.J. Green um, in, in terms of that that uh, sideline drop that he had because he was coming in real hot on that play. <laughs> and um, so, you know, did his job. And, and him aligning in the star in this defense, to me, um, is it, it, it shrinks the available space that a quarterback has to throw to. Because you now have, if you look at it in terms of like maybe quadrants, you now have Jalen and he's able to take up two quadrants instead of one, where if he were isolated on the outside, he'd take up one quadrant. Now he takes up two. You expect that Darius Williams allowed three catches for 26 yards yesterday. Uh, Had a good game. Um, You expect Darius Williams to take up another quadrant, right? And then you need the other guy to pick up his his part as well but you're basically widening by playing Jalen in the star and they I have really appreciated and enjoyed the plan that they have had for him because he is he is not just affecting the passing snaps he's also affecting the run the run snaps as well so you're maximizing the amount of the number of plays that he can affect and is accountable to and you're also giving him the autonomy to also move outside against top receivers in crucial crucial passing situations so you know, I, I, I'm not sure how many more ways I can phrase this, but it is something that I would just keep repeating because it is a question that I keep receiving and um, seeing people talk about. Now, on, on the other hand, like long term, they might it, it might be something that has to get sacrificed for another player in the star because as they as the Cardinals basically, you know, painted on on a beautiful piece of paper yesterday, like. You can pick your spots against this team if you set it up that way very simply. And what Kyler did was he said, okay, the available space that I have to throw to has shrunk. So I'm not generally going to necessarily going to throw to those spaces that are sort of blanketed by um, Jalen's coverage area, not just his man, but sort of his area. And Darius Williams is over there too. I'll try him a couple times, you know, limited success there. But specifically found that thread to pull and it's a very small opportunity and he maximized on it against David Long. 
And that's a big problem because a team can do that if they've got a quarterback who's got time to throw. And a lot of times, Kyler did have time to throw. The Rams got to him, I think it was, what, 13, 13 pressures, um, sacked him a couple times. But at the same time, the interior stuff was not really getting there, right? And if he's got, if he's able to select where he wants to throw and then he's scientific and methodical about getting the ball there and you've got a receiver, a receiver with a length of frame that is advantageous on the outside like that against David Long, who is smaller as a, as an outside corner. And you, you maybe win a step or you put the ball in, in a, an amenable place. That's the thread that you pull at. And that's the thread they did pull at. And those and, and and this is why it matters, Rich. Those explosive plays, including two explosive passing plays, two plays of 20 plus yards on one drive, including a touchdown and an explosive run play that each David Long had a part in each of those. Um, that will break a team. And in this defense, which is philosophically structured specifically to contain explosive passing plays, it causes a ripple effect when one of those, the this, this foundational phase of this defensive philosophy, if that crumbles, that causes a ripple effect across the entire field. Because at that point, the things that you need to do against the run, you can't do as much of because you're 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 working to continue to um you know you, you you're working to continue to try to contain those plays and the and the offense is getting behind you in various ways right and then you can't the corners certainly aren't going to come down any further the safeties certainly aren't going to come down any further so that gives you even better puts puts more strain on your front against the run and it gives them more space in the middle of the field to operate with on those catch and runs that were working really well and you can't play from as much depth because you're having help come over for for the sort of this one side of the field, right? And it has a it has a ripple effect. If if one of your philosophical principles of your defense does not work, the way this defense is structured to have that coverage dictate what the front does, the entire that the entire thing starts to crumble. And that's what you saw. That's what you saw, that ripple effect. And that's why, to me, that drive was so important and so crucial. It wasn't just that Kyler made the throws and it wasn't just that he had the time and it wasn't just that, um, you know, it, it was it was also what the defense exposed and presented in that regard. That was a uh, a massive signal boost in terms of where you can capitalize on this Rams defense. And it's a problem. And, I, and I'm not calling out specifically, like, you know, David Long has been busting his ass, and I'm not discrediting that. Like, he has been working really hard. I'm not discrediting that. It's like if you have a team and you have three tall receivers and you know two of them are going to be rendered, you know, it may be quote-unquote insignificant on any given play because of where they're aligned, you still know that you have to get the ball to that third one, and if the rush is not getting there and the quarterback can pick and choose where he goes, and then – he knows that he's going to just have an advantage over that corner. I mean, it's it, it's it's just you know, and and it's 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 a it's a problem. And then part of it too is you know the Rams losing personnel. Sure, it's also you know I, I'm not sure what happens. I'm not sure what happens next because it's it's an issue that 
now is on tape for the world to see. And it has been on tape since the Cowboys practice, by the way, um, that was brought that was broadcast. And I would assume Cliff Kingsbury was starting to to formulate some of this stuff the second he saw that broadcasted out on Cowboys.com. And it 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 also is something where what what are you gonna do? You have a rookie in Robert Rochelle who absolutely has the length, absolutely the long arms, especially to contest some of that stuff and to, um, you know, maybe be able to shed a little bit better in the run game. The other, th- the other thing, and I, I'm, I swear, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on this guy. I, I hate it for him that he had a bad day. I hate doing this because um, these guys, they're people, and it, they, um, everybody has bad days. Um, and it just, it stinks. Right. But I just, David Long, uh, a play that is not, you're only going to be able to see it on the all 22. AJ Green is also able to block him 15 yards downfield away from the ball carrier. When Chase Edmonds springs that big run off to the far sideline opposite to the you know, closest to the Cardinal sideline. It's like a 25 yard, 25 yard catch and run, something like that. And David Long got blocked completely out of the play and you can't see it on the broadcast cause they don't show that angle. Right. Right. Yeah. But they're watching it on tape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The coaches will be able to see it. They will have uh, full access to the the Rams coaches and every other coach who's watching it will be able to see that. Well, and it's been and what I was saying, too, is it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know really what you do. You knew you were losing certain guys and you've got Terrell Burgess at practice working out in the cornerback group, by the way, which I've mentioned before. Um, And you've got. Um, you've got Robert Rochelle who missed a little bit of time with injury and they're trying to bring him along. And you've got David Long who, you know, you're, you still as a, as a play, like he can make plays. It's just, I'm not sure if he's being set up for success. Right. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. What, what type of, and, and that's where the, you know, the Jalen Ramsey thing, it's, it has a trickle down effect. Um, you, you can, you can do that with him if you have other guys, you know, behind him who can, who can make those sort of plays, but, but that's kind of the issue here. So, and yeah, but the, and I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you again, Rich, but then what do you do? Because yeah. are you going to give up that vast of an area of the field right. by moving Jalen Ramsey back outside? Then you're giving up a, a plus one for the defense right. Right. automatically just by moving Jalen back outside where people can avoid him all day. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. One thing that, that, that grabbed me is that Arizona also did a real nice job of, of moving the ball around, too. It was even noted on the broadcast how... You know, wow, they were throwing the ball to Max Williams. You know, I, I think at one point uh, Chris Myers or Daryl Johnston said, like, I don't, I don't think the Rams were preparing for, for Max Williams to have such a big part of this game. And, you know, five catches for 66 yards and, and a touchdown. They threw the ball to the running backs a lot. They targeted, uh, let's say, uh, 10. Uh, 10 of their 29 targets were, were to running backs. Some of those are obviously, you know, check downs or, or dump offs or whatever. But they were just, they were moving the ball around. They were keeping the Rams off balance. You know, deep passes, short passes. Passes, you know, running when you thought they were going to pass, passing when they, you thought they might run. Uh, so they, they did a real nice job. And, and again, like you said, Jordan, just pulling on that string, looking for the little opportunities, the little advantages that, that they could find on that on that Rams uh, defense. And, and a lot of people pointed out, and Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on this too. You, you mentioned it a bit, but, but the pass rush. And, and the difference, uh, I, I don't know how much of it is the difference in the style of the quarterback because you look at last week with Tampa Bay. And obviously Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He does amazing things. Moving is not one of his strong suits at this point of his career at, at 44 years old. He's not going to escape a lot of things and extend plays uh, with his legs. So they, they were able to make him uncomfortable last week as we talked about quite a bit uh, by, by getting that pressure and, you know, for maybe maybe a half second, maybe a third of a second uh, quicker than, than he wanted to get rid of the ball. Well, Kyler Murray, not exactly the same kind of problem. He could uh, see that coming, very good at keeping his eyes downfield and, and you know, taking a lateral step or taking a front step forward or getting out of the pocket altogether and, and extending those plays. But Jordan, you didn't see, at least from my perspective, and it's it's hard, you know, not, not seeing the, the coach's film yet, but I, I think you just mentioned this during your, when you were just speaking, is uh, that, that pressure up the middle, too. Um, the, the, the stuff that's going to really give you an immediate problem when you've got somebody, you know, coming right at you 
Uh, and you didn't quite see that. This was, and I'm not, certainly not calling anybody out in particular, one of Aaron Donald's quieter games, but so much of his game is also predicated on a compliment from, from outside. You can't double or triple team Aaron Donald if, uh, if you're getting pressure from elsewhere. And I'm not sure the Rams were getting a lot of pressure uh, from elsewhere. So what's kind of, I don't know how to ask this exactly, but, but is there a little bit of a, a chicken and egg to this in terms of if the Rams are able to get that kind of pressure, uh, it, it minimizes or reduces the, the ability of a quarterback to do some of the things that you're talking about. Uh, is, is that where it starts or does it need to tighten up on the other end first? Well, it's just, I mean, it's just hard. Cause like, I think with Kyler specifically, and I, I don't even know that, you know, I know everyone makes the comparison between Kyler Murray and, and Russell Wilson, but Kyler Murray, nobody runs like Kyler Murray. No, I don't <laughs> like think so. Yeah. The, the speed and sort of the short area quickness that he has and the evasiveness that he has, like that's that's really difficult. And I think, um, you know, this is a game where they miss Justin Hollins. Um they they missed some of the the effort plays, you know. I, although I will say, Terrell Lewis, I think had a great game. Um, I think Obo Okronko made a really nice play. Uh, tackle in space is one of the small number of defensive highlights. Um, Terrell Lewis, when he when he saw, I, I saw Ter- Terrell Lewis adjust when he saw he wasn't getting actual, uh, you know, f- pressure where he was getting free to the quarterback. He'd start freeing up one or more of his limbs and getting them into throwing lanes. Um, I thought that was smart and that impressed me, but it's like you said, it's, it's, it's that, it's that up the middle stuff. Um, you did see when Kyler did try to step into the middle up into the pocket a couple of times. Um, there was, there was decent contain there. Um, Sebastian Joseph day, um, you know, Leonard Floyd got in there, obviously it got called for a penalty. Um, so that, that whole prop, that whole thing became an issue instead of a positive play for the Rams. Um, but it, it's on some of these, some of these things where, um, you know, he's out, he's starting to navigate the flats a little bit and he's starting to use the sidelines and he's starting to use more of the field in order to find the space for himself. That's when you really have an issue. And it's hard to know what an answer to that is because Leonard Floyd was really effective on one of those plays, but then you, you even saw, Kyler Murray getting sort of his his pump fake down a little bit and he beat Aaron Donald with it which you just don't you just don't see and so I think that with 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 Kyler it's just a lot of those types of things and it's it's hard to know what the answer is because it's not like this is a team that will spy him you know you can't you can't do that because of the coverage structure and you especially can't sacrifice a player in that coverage structure when he's able to get the ball downfield over the top of of some of these guys heads and so you, it's it's just difficult. It's it's really tough. And and I think in years past, you'd see that it wasn't necessarily he 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 wasn't necessarily picking his spots in which to run. Um, I think as effectively as they wanted him to be doing that. And now he is, and doing it with great effect. I don't know what you do. There's even there was even a play where Kenny Young, Kenny Young diagnosed. Kenny Young is like <laughs> one of their. On this roster, like one of their guys who they think, you know, can move laterally better. And he won that that basically one spot in their five and six one front because because he can move and because he can hit. And he was in the perfect position to make a play on Kyler. He read a play. I watched I watched this unfold and I was like, man, that that shows Kenny Young's development right there. And then I saw, 
oh, no, there's no way he can do anything about this. He just can't get to him. And it was like he diagnosed the entire play perfectly. He read the the uh, the the option that Kyler was going to choose in terms of taking the like the run option, and he did not fall for you know the the eye movement nothing. He moved through the box traffic fine, and was in a position to make the play. And then Kyler kind of hit that second gear where it was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that nobody's catching that guy, and that was his long sideline run near the Rams sideline that he broke. And and it was like, what do you do? So on the one hand, it's like, you know, you don't discount that at all. But some of these things, the defense just was not sound. And that's where I think the problem is. And I think there was a little – there was there was issues with the pressure. There was issues with the contain, especially in the flank, the perimeter, and the flat. Um, there was issue with making him uncomfortable. Um, you know, he's able to, he's able to uh, do a lot of things that we've seen Matthew Stafford do in terms of – uh, freestyling after the play develops and unfolds because he's able to hold the ball for that long. Um, you know, you're not seeing that stuff. And then you also are, uh, you know, then he can get the ball downfield, could basically pick his spots in, cer- in certain cases and on certain drives. And then when you're a defense and you're you're covering that long, you're running that long, you're moving that laterally, then some of these bigger – catch and run plays and some of these bigger run plays are able to happen if you're able to be blocked out of the play effectively and you're able to be those holes can be opened and, and things like that so um I know I'm just circular being getting circular all over again but it just is like one thing one thing just constantly led to another here and even when things were going okay they just imploded like there was a drive where uh Jalen Ramsey helped like force an incompletion downfield um, the Cardinals were like right at the edge of field goal range. Um, Jalen Ramsey helped force an incompletion. Uh, Terrell Lewis had a really nice, uh, pressure on third, uh, third, let's see. Yeah, it was third down. And that was when he forced the throw away cause he got his hand in the throwing lane for, for Kyler and he's got really long arms and giant palms. So he just, it's like, you know, good luck to you throwing over that. And, and, um, so Kyler threw the ball away and then the, the Rams accept this penalty Right on third down, and Sean McVay said he he does that because he wants to knock them out of field goal range. Which I think, like, we're gonna get to some of the decision making here in a minute. But that one, that one, I think is okay. Like, fine, that's justified. But then you can't stop the third and long. Is it like a third and sixteen or third or third and fourteen that picked up sixteen yards? Right. Like you cannot do that. This these this Rams defense could not get off the field. They I think they forced two punts. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't even remember those, to be honest with you. I, I well, believe you. Well, I will you. tell you, I, I watched them because I thought Tutu Atwell did a nice job. Oh, that's right. I, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. But I said, there we go. We're not all negative. No, today, yeah, Tutu know. Atwell. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Jordan. It's, and, you know, so now you talk about, you know, how is this going to change in, in Seattle? I mean, it, it's an interesting opponent uh, coming up. I mean, Historically, when I say historically, I mean the, the last couple of years, Rams defense has done a pretty good job against uh, Seattle's offense, as, as I recall. I know there was a loss there there last year, obviously, but 
um, that, that was more about the offense, not not pulling its its weight. And uh, I, I remember the game in uh, 2019, late 2019, at the uh, at the Coliseum, one of the last games at the Coliseum. The Rams did a very very good job. So this this uh, kind of historically, I guess you could say, has has been a pretty good matchup for for a Rams uh, defense. But now I I don't know. I don't I don't you, I don't know how confident you can feel. Uh, a lot of it to me, Jordan, the the Seattle run game. You never know what to really expect from them. They've been they're, they're so kind of helter skelter with with how they commit to it and and who's effective and who isn't. I mean, they they weren't real effective. I didn't get a chance to watch um, Seahawks 49ers yesterday. It was obviously at the same time that the Rams were playing, but uh, just from from looking at the numbers, they didn't they didn't run the ball particularly well. Uh, Russell Wilson didn't didn't have a great game. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, they they end up uh, winning that game 28-21, but uh, they they weren't they weren't particularly dynamic, but uh, you know, Pete Carroll's going to be pouring over this film, and uh, Shane Waldron, old friend, uh, old friend Shane Waldron, uh, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts about how to attack uh, this uh, this this Rams defense. But uh, short short week, Jordan, and uh, you have to rely a little bit, I guess, on just a, a little bit of the bounce back, the wounded the wounded animal factor, maybe, and in, in wanting to get back out there in, in a short week and wanting to show that uh, that that was not indicative of, of the way that they're going to play all season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's <laughs> – I don't even know I, – I don't even know what to say about Seattle, to be honest with you, Rich. I know uh, we, we keep trying to want to preview this, but I don't – I can't get a read on Seattle either. Yeah, it's tough. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about them because um, I think some of these issues, if they are not fixed, that's why – that's why we say we don't just roll, you know, you don't just roll over on some of these. I think some of it, yeah, you definitely want to just get it out of your mind and sort of exorcise it. But at the same time, you you can't just move past some of these things because yeah. they continue to come up and they continue to to crack the foundation. And that's sort of what my my overall point is. Um, Seattle, I've tried to tried to watch as much as I can. I know they're running a lot of uh, McVeighish stuff up hmm. there um, with Shane Waldron. That's something the Rams offense is, or excuse me, the Rams defense is very familiar with. Um, see it every single day in practice. Um, what wrinkles they will put on that, and and how the quarterback will affect that, and in terms of Russell Wilson, um, I think adds a layer, adds a threat in similar ways to how McVay hoped that Matthew Stafford would add a layer, add a threat. Right. Um, but but we'll have to see. You know, we'll just have to see. Yeah, and uh, by the way, just to, for I know some people understand kind of the the flow or the 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 way these things are lined up. We, we record on Monday morning here. Um, Jordan will get a chance to, and all reporters will get a chance to talk to uh, Raheem Morris scheduled for tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, so I know a lot of people, they do not, and the Rams are not alone in this coordinators don't talk after a game. So there was not an opportunity to hear from Raheem Morris directly, but uh, Jordan will, will get that chance tomorrow. So perfect opportunity if you haven't already to sign up for, for the athletic so that you don't miss that. Uh, Jordan will I'm sure have a full coverage of, of what the coordinators uh, say and, and we'll be here hearing and talking a lot more about that as the week goes on. But Jordan, you know, obviously a lot of people are talking about the defense yesterday and I understand you give up 37 points. Um, it's hard to, hard to win a football game. Uh, so I, I totally understand that. But I, I thought it got a little bit lost, even as the game was going on, that the Rams offense did not hold its water either. Um, and I want to talk about a few factors there. 
Um, but what, what, what were your main takeaways there, Jordan? I mean, I, I thought the offensive line, I, I didn't see any huge breakdowns there that made me think like, oh, this is clearly the problem. The line is breaking down and, and that's why they're not able to do this or that. But I, there were a lot of things to me. Matthew Stafford looked off to me. There were a couple uncharacteristic dropped passes. I could probably talk for an hour and a half about the play calling, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, did I mean, what did you think was it was was am I being too harsh about this Rams offense or, or did you think that they were a little bit off? No, I thought they were bad. Yeah, I think okay. uh, the offensive line, I thought, played great, honestly. Okay, I yeah. mean, this is a this is a tough front that they played against. Um, this is a uh, this is a, a group that changes what it does. It changes its looks. Um, I don't think they blitzed a lot, but uh, I think they were trying to do a couple of different things in terms of designing pressure and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and it's t- it's a tough matchup. They've got some size there as well. Um, so I think you know I, I commend the job that um, the Rams offensive line did for a fourth straight week. I think I, I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me. I was looking at them earlier this morning in the wee hours of, of the morning uh, ahead of my first cup of coffee for the day. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was something like eight pressures, which is not bad at all. Um, I mean, if we're right. criticizing the Rams defensive line for not getting but 13, then I think we should applaud the offensive line for not allowing but eight. Right. So I think that's I think that's solid. Uh, no sacks, which is impressive as well. Um, could it could have been one, but it was a very uh, murky situation there. Yes, <laughs> the Rams got the call on that one. Um, and so I think that's not the issue that I. Oh, and and I know we will get to this, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I know um, you track these this this closely, Rich. But uniforms? also thought. Oh, oh, something else. Okay. Uniforms. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Something different. Something different. Okay. Um, You know, the the way that they're opening up holes in the run game, not just down, you know, not just on uh, sort of the the gap stuff, not just inside the tackles, but also outside. Uh, There was versatility. You saw it. Um, And I I want to talk about that. I thought the line did really well in that regard as well. Um, I didn't, I think Matthew Stafford had a poor game. I admire the way that he tried to put together that fourth quarter. Um, but the rest of the three were, were not good that, well, the, 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 what I really liked was the play call and the design and then the freestyling after the play broke down, uh, on Van Jefferson's touchdown early in the game. I really thought that was a bright spot. Otherwise though, um, just kept missing receivers. There was a couple of stumbles on routes, um, where, you know, what, how you correct from that, uh, when you're the receiver and then how you continue to establish sort of that line with the quarterback and have that sort of inherent knowledge of what you're doing, um, and, and where your, where your body and your hands will be. That's something that's still kind of clearly a work in progress. Um, Cooper cup was, uh, other than that really, really gorgeous 35 yard pa- uh, pass and catch where he hit heavy contact and, um, don't know how he held onto the ball. Um, thought he had a, a his one of his worst games in terms of this season anyway. And it's not it's a high bar for what he's been doing, but worst game of the season in terms of um, some of the drops, some of the missed throws for Stafford and between him and Stafford. Robert Woods is not getting targeted enough. Um, you know, I, I asked Stafford specifically about that post game. Kind of uh, 
he he mentioned that you know it, it this type of thing will come and he's trying to figure out the best place to put the ball based on where they're being covered but at the same time saw a little bit there seemed to be a little bit of a forced connection in my mind um just trying to get the ball to to Cooper Cup because that has been working so well so I can understand that sort of inherent uh you know process in your brain but also I'm um, going to have to spread the ball around Van Jefferson had a great game um, but other than that, like you, you got to get the ball, uh, to some of these different layers in the offense and the, the throw to Deshaun Jackson, uh, Matthew mentioned that, um, he just, there's two throws he could have picked to play to throw on that. Um, he picked the one that was under, uh, cause he thought that the corner that Byron Murphy, the corner was coming over the top of Deshaun based on the angle, but he, but Byron Murphy played it really smart and he came under instead. Um, and the throw was under, so that was a, a I think you just throw over every time right. if it's Deshaun Jackson. That's right. my opinion. I'm not a quarterback, but I think you just throw – I think you just say, all right, let this thing rip, and then don't worry so much about the the finesse there. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm not a quarterback. I'm probably wrong about that. But in this case, I think you definitely – and Matthew mentioned he, he picked the wrong one, um, wrong one there. Uh, there were times, Rich, I, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, the first, oh, and also we mentioned this beginning of the podcast in terms of complimentary – um, you can't turn the ball over like that and then yeah. have to dig yourself out of a hole. You just can't. And that's something you saw constantly last season yeah. and the year before that. Um, and and you just can't do that. And you certainly can't do that. You could maybe get away with one or two even with last year's defense, but you can't do that with this year's defense. Yeah. And when you force them into a sudden change, it's 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 less – of a favorable percentage for the defense this time right now, as it stands now than it was last year throughout the season. So you, you just can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Two on the first four drives. And and yeah. that's just, that really just stalled it out and, you know, t- took everybody out of their rhythm and, and uh, yeah, it's funny with, with Stafford. I mean, it was, there, there were a couple of throws there, like the, the one you mentioned, obviously the touchdown to Van Jefferson, there were a couple of times where I thought, okay, this is it. This is the one that's going to kind of get him back in his rhythm and everything's going to, you know, get back on track. And it, and it didn't, they were, they were the outliers, the, the, the handful, three or four really good plays were, were the outliers in this game. And I, I want to be clear before, well, b- before I get to my soliloquy about the play calling, um, I uh, want to do a mini one about Matthew Stafford. And, and before I do that, I want to make it very, 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 very clear that it's one game um, and that Matthew Stafford has been very good in the yeah, other games. I, some of the stuff, I mean, God, Rich, like some of the stuff you'd see out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's a hot it's a hot world out there. It is today, a hot guys. world. Yeah, everybody and, stay safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean we, we we look at what's in front of us. I understand that. Uh, it's, but you know the the one thing that I look at that that you talked about, Jordan, is that that you you can write off a bad game. Okay, I totally get it. Sometimes you just you're not your your arm. You know, you woke up on the wrong side of bed, whatever it may be. I don't know, but things are going to happen. But but the targeting thing is is something that I, I think has been a little bit of an issue even when things were going well and is something that I, I think probably need needs a, a look at is it, it was clear that for whatever reason, whether you want to say it was Matthew Stafford, whether you want to say it was Cooper Cup, whether you want to say it was 50-50 between the two of them, it just wasn't there. It just was not there. And that, that'll happen. It's not going to be perfect every game. But the guy got targeted 13 times, and all the Rams got out of it were five catches for 64 yards, one of which, as you mentioned, was the gorgeous 35-yard pass. You take that out, 
the results were negligible. So out of the 12 other targets, they basically got, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do math here, uh, 29 yards. They got 29 yards out of the other 12 targets, which is not what you want by any means. And at some point, if you're a veteran quarterback, as Matthew Stafford is, I think you have to look at that and say, you know what, it's just not there today. And not only is it not there today, but I've got all these other guys who I can throw the ball to who are very, very good. I've got a thousand yard receiver in Robert Woods who I can look at a little bit more. Uh, and and it's, it's just, you know, 41 targets in that game and Cooper Cup got 13 of them. Uh, nobody else got more than six. They they did spread it around a little bit be, behind him. But uh, but looking at the whole season, I mean, Cooper Cup has been targeted 46 times this season. Uh, Robert Woods is actually second at 25, but it certainly doesn't feel like that because I don't remember more than a handful of Robert Woods catches, even though he has 15 of them uh, this season for, for 172 yards. So Yeah, and yeah. multiple on crucial third downs, third and longs. Yes. And so that's that's a positive. I yeah. still think consistency is the issue in terms of his target share. Yeah. Um, but in terms of some of those third downs, like especially long third downs, that has been almost automatic um, for, for Robert Woods. So that's just so, sort of part of the balance of that as well. But anyway, go ahead. No, it's and he's so good too. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, it's 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 interesting to to watch that because it, Robert Woods, the the ability that he has to work a sideline. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he he is, and you, you just haven't seen that. And for all of Jared Goff's, you know, whatever you want to say about Jared Goff. He understood Robert Woods' skill set, and he understood when he could get him the ball and what Robert Woods was going to be able to do. And a lot of those times, you know, third and three, third and four, I mean, Robert Woods is absolute money with his ability to, you know, tiptoe a sideline or, or whatever it may be. And like so many of those situations where it's just almost like, yep, he's going to look at Cooper Cup here. And like, I get it. I get it. Because there's there's that trust that's already been built there. And Cooper Cup is amazing, uh, you know, nine out of every 10 games. Uh, but you, you have to you have to feed the mouths, too. And and Robert Woods is there and paying that guy a lot of money for a reason, because he's a very, very good receiver. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and sorry, one more time, I'm going to interrupt you because I really want to get into your uh I know I have been so excited to talk to you about this, yes. some of the situational stuff, but on one more thought on Robert Woods is like Jared Goff started to use Robert Woods as a crutch player in terms of the yards after the catch. Oh yeah. And the Rams have made it clear that they're not dependent on yards after the catch in a small ball situation because they're throwing the ball downfield in a variety of ways. Right. My, my argument is just because you are no longer using something or someone as a crutch doesn't mean it's still not a valuable asset to have in your offense in terms of utilizing under concepts and yards after the catch. It's okay. Right. You can do it. He's going to get you some yards. Continue. <laughs> oh, no, it's a great point. It's, it's, it doesn't it, mean you yeah. chose wrong. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. You, continue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great point, Jordan. I mean, you, you have you have all these that you have. And that's right. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like with the Cooper Cup thing, it's, it's like you, when you see early on that that's not there and it seemed pretty clear early on that, okay, it's just that the connection's not going to, and you're, you're not a one receiver team. Like you're not a one target team. Like you have so many other guys and you can beat teams uh, in other ways. And, and to, to not see that happening 
uh, was, was just, I mean, there was one play there. I, I can't remember it was third quarter or fourth quarter where like, I, I think he overthrew uh, Cooper was on the sideline. Stafford overthrew him and Cooper took a big hit there and he was a little slow to get up. And I thought, uh Oh, you know, it's one well, of those he threw him into trouble on that. And that's not something you want to see from a quarterback exactly. he twice. He did it twice and Cooper hung on to one, but any receiver, it doesn't matter if it's Cooper cup, doesn't matter if it's Van Jefferson Whoever, you you can't be throwing them into trouble like that. Yeah, and that that was that's what was troubling to me uh, out of that game. So yeah, it's look, it, it's it's one game. Not going to put too much on it. Uh, Stafford's been great. Otherwise, is it is it a little? And I'm not going to say it's it's a red flag or, or a big red flag. It's it's something to think about. It's it's something to kind of put in your pocket and 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 track over over the next couple of games. Uh, but. I tend, you know, fans talking a lot yesterday, back and forth on Twitter. Yeah, you know what? It's one bad game. Uh, Not going to put too much on it. You do want to see Matthew Stafford step up in some of these bigger games. This was a big game. I mean, it was two undefeated teams. It was to see who was going to be the last undefeated team in the NFC. Uh, So it it was a big game. And I don't think he played at his best. That doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean he won't going uh, forward, but it is something to, to look at a little bit. Uh, Jordan, one positive, Daryl Henderson was great. Man, good for him because what a painful injury that is, first of all. And man, he just was explosive and authoritative and commanding. And you just like, it's just something where you could just tell he really put in the work to, to get to that point over the last two weeks. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect there, to be honest with you. And I know a lot of people were kind of fairly asking like, oh, should he even be playing in this game? Uh, good thing he did. I mean, obviously they end up losing the game, so it's, it's kind of a wash, but don't know where they would have been without Terrell Henderson in that game yesterday, uh, because he did very well as, as you pointed out, Jordan, in, in a tandem with, with an offensive line that was just blowing holes there, uh, which I think kind of leads us to, to a, to a place that, uh, to to a to a land that I have visited oh so many times over the last uh, four years five seasons um, the Rams tendency to abandon the run and I don't know how else to say it other than that um, but Jordan I just want to set this up and we may or may not agree on this which I kind of hope we don't in a way because it's good to have a little different opinion than the one you always that hope we disagree. You always hope we disagree, but your opinions are smart and I well, usually agree you. with them. Well, so. I've been <laughs> screaming this into the void for four years and, and nothing has really changed. So I don't, I don't know whether I'm just dumb or whether or not uh, it's, it's just not uh, ever going to change, but all right, let, let me walk through this real, real fast. Okay. Uh, the Rams in the first quarter, uh, I thought started with some pretty good balance. Uh, Daryl Henderson was running the ball very well, as we said. Uh, they, they took a 10-7 to 7 lead late in the first quarter. They got the ball back. Uh, excuse me. Arizona scored to make it 14-10. to 10. The Rams got the ball back. Sonny Michelle fumbles at the Rams 21. Arizona gets it back, pretty quickly scores a touchdown to make it 21 to 10. Our takeaways at that point were Sony Michelle fumbling, a very bad thing. Rams running the ball to that point, very good thing. Offensive line, great job. Daryl Henderson, 
looked sharp. He's making good cuts, good vision, looked strong. I think he was averaging about seven yards per carry at that point through the first part of the second quarter. The Rams got the ball back, down 21 to 10, six minutes into the second quarter. The next series went pass, 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 pass that was nullified by a defensive hold. Pass, 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 punt. They called seven consecutive pass plays. Um, and it's a trend. Like, I don't know how else to say it. And and I, I want to be clear here when I talk about Sean McVay. And this, this came up on Twitter last night. Somebody said Sean McVay is a is a very good coach who is being held back from being great. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think he's a great coach. I do. And I know there's there's certain things that I criticize and kind of beat into the ground. I think he's a great coach. There's not if you if you put all 32 on a list, there's not very many I would put above Sean McVay. Um but he has tendencies that are maddening. Uh, to watch, even for me to watch as an independent observer of football. And one of those tendencies is the first time there's a little bit of strife in a game, his tendency is to throw the ball and throw it a lot. And it doesn't really matter how good the running game is going. doesn't really matter how well his quarterback is doing or his offensive line or whatever it may be. He wants to throw the ball because he thinks I, well, I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth or words in his head. But what seems to happen is the first time there's a little bit of trouble, it's like, uh-oh, we got to push, push the accelerator. We got to push the gas pedal right now to get back in this game. There were 39 minutes left in the game, and you're only down by 11 points. It was not time to panic. It was not time to start throwing the ball around and totally abandon what they were doing on the ground. Uh, that just really bothered me. A lot, Jordan, when when Daryl Henderson, it was it'd be one thing if you said the Rams were getting stuffed in in early in the game and they weren't moving the ball on the ground at all. They were having or they, they were opening up holes for Daryl Henderson that I hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, going back to, you know, probably 2018 with some of the holes that used to get opened up for Todd Gurley. I mean, that there was there was yardage there and they just they went away from it. And that that really bothered me. And I know Sean addressed it after the game in a little bit and said, oh, you know, the Daryl was running the ball well, but then the game kind of got away from us and and we had to go away from it. Mm, It was six minutes into the second quarter when he started going away from from the run. So I'm not really, really buying that that it was the game getting away from you when when you're down by uh, 11 points. And by the way, the Rams defense held uh, uh, Arizona to, to three points for the rest of that quarter. So it, it wasn't like... That was the opportunity time right there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you go down, you have a nice balanced drive, you score a touchdown, it's 21-17, you put a little pressure back on Arizona. You know, instead, they they punted and, you know, you end up going into half down, what was it, 24-13. to 13. Um, So you, you really didn't gain anything out of that. So that that was just a, a little thing to to me jordan and and i don't know it's it's look look i understand it's tough during the during the the heat of a game uh but but i think you just have to have a little more situational awareness there to say hey you know what we're running the ball well it's still very early in the game let's not panic let's stick to it and i just i didn't think they did that 
Yeah, it's interesting to me thinking about this in terms of what conventional football, you know, football coach wisdom, quote unquote, um, says versus what smarter decision making tells us. And I go back to last season, and I think it was week three against Buffalo, one of Sean McVay's best coached games of the entire season was, and was one he was praised for if very, very effusively, um, was going back to the run against Buffalo because it was working, even though the Rams were operating in a deficit because the yards on the ground were accumulating at a more efficient rate in terms of not only down the field and what it could set up in the pass game, but at a more efficient rate than what the pass was was attaining. Yeah. Weren't they down and, by like 21 in that game too? Yeah, yeah, and they lost. And I wonder if because it – and I'm not going to put any words in anybody's mouth. Right. I'm not going to assume anyone's thinking anything. This is my, my – uh, I'm wondering this. I wonder if because it's you have in your brain the association with that that it was a loss, if that's part of the reason why you decide you're not going to explore that deeper and you're not going to explore specifically that decision-making any deeper because it was a loss and that's the association with it forever in your brain. So I, I wonder about that. I, I disagreed with the decisions in that regard, particularly in that quarter, they, again, were moving the ball downfield on the ground at a more efficient rate, snap over snap, than they were in the past at that point, and certainly making less mistakes. And I don't – and I know you've been tracking this for a couple of years now. I don't, I don't know – I don't know what the fix is because it's also like every game that this happens, it's like we got away from it too early. Well, what – you know, what conversations are being had about this? Like truly – and then I and then and then I also this is I was slacking you this yesterday and I was like Rich uh, maybe sounds a little bit like nutcase conspiracy theory ish and you're like no no tell me so I was like all right this is a safe space so they've got all their coordinators and their assistant head coach uh, who is also the running backs coach they've got them all on the ground on the field on field level and they've got a couple guys up in the booth and people are on the headset and all that that's fine. But all of the people who are making play calling decisions are down, specifically saying yes or no on play calling decisions are down on the field. And I I personally, if I was a coach, I'd prefer it down there because you are close to the action. You can get, you know, talk to guys you need to talk to right, right there with them. You can get on the surface tablets. You can do all these different things. And they have the ability to look at these plays uh, from the sky view based on these surface tablets. And that's great too. But you're not seeing maybe necessarily exactly what is opening up and how wide some of these things are opening up in real time in the heat of action like that. And that's why you depend on people who are up top. But who is arguing with him? Th- that's my question. Who's who's arguing with him? Who Who's saying, hey, man, no, this is not, we, we cannot go seven passes in a row, even though conventional, I understand if we're talking, if this is 1995, and we're like you're that you're down twenty one ten, yeah. You got to pass the ball because when you pass the ball, you can ha- you have more control of the clock first and foremost, and you can allegedly eat up bigger portions of the field in less amount of time, and therefore minimize the deficit as quickly as possible. 
right? And then assert yourself after you minimize that deficit. Fine. That's, that's fine. But sometimes it just doesn't work like that. And we're seeing more and more when some of these things, the, the opposite would be the more, would perhaps be the more successful option. That choice is not being selected. And I wonder who is, who's arguing the case up there. I wonder who is, uh, not arguing the case up there. And I I certainly wonder after so many times seeing this, I I certainly wonder what those conversations are like. Right. Whether it's just, oh, it's on me, it's on me. Okay, well, that's okay. Now what? No, I I couldn't agree more, Jordan. And and you you talked about, you know, tracking this over the last couple of years. And and that was, you know, I I wrote a column in uh, late 2019, I, I think it was, uh, about how you know the Rams after Matt Lafleur left uh, did not hire a full time offensive coordinator. Sean McVay obviously has been the play caller since he's been hired, 2017, um, but they also did not replace Matt Lafleur. And what I wrote at the time was that I, I in part, was that I, I thought they needed kind of exactly what you're talking about, Jordan, is, and and I wrote at the time that I didn't think Sean McVay should give up play calling, and I don't think he should give up play calling now. Um, but what I what I thought he needed then, and maybe what he still needs, is exactly what you're talking about: is somebody who can kind of look at things a little bit detached. I mean, you're you're not if you're a coach in the middle of the game, you're not going to be completely detached. I understand, but you need somebody who's going to look at it with a slightly different perspective than Sean looks at it. Two guys looking at the same thing from the same perspective. It's not really going to help you very much. Uh, you need somebody who's either going to look at the game differently or who's going to think the game differently and be a little bit of that voice saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should try this. And I, it's kind of funny, Jordan. You hear like even when when I used to cover hockey, you know, we, we sit as we do in, in the NFL. You know, we sit pretty high up. And we're able to see things and coaches, some coaches invariably will say, well, oh, the game, the game must look really easy from up there, you know, and and it's kind of a derisive thing that they say, but they're right. They're right because we can see things from above. We're not, we're detached from it. We're not in the heat of the moment. We're not calling plays. We're not, you know, trying to deal with players on the sideline. Uh, So it is easier to watch from up there. It's easier to sit home and watch it on TV. And and that's why I say, I I understand that I'm not, it's it's easy to be critical when when you're not in the heat of the moment but that's why i think there might be some value to that in in just having somebody to watch and say hey you know what look at the holes we're opening up in the run game here hey you know what we passed we're passing the ball way too much here let's 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 call a run let's call let's go shotgun and run a draw or whatever it may be and I don't know, and and this is a very uh, this is not a throwaway line. I don't know what that kind of communication is like between Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell. I I'm being honest. I do not know. I do not know whether they are in 100% lockstep. I don't know whether Kevin O'Connell does challenge Sean McVay and some things aren't heard. I don't I I don't know. I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. Um, but it, it seems like the Rams still could benefit a little bit from from having that, whether it's having somebody in the booth uh, just to have a different perspective on it. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But but this happens a lot, Jordan. And and I, I don't think it I don't think it helps the Rams most of the time, especially in a game where, as we just noted, Matthew Stafford wasn't exactly on it. He was a little bit off. So you're putting the ball, the ball in the hands of a guy who just wasn't quite there. And 
I don't know. It, I just didn't think it, it helped them a whole lot. And Jordan, I know there's there's other stuff there. You you are super super good at, at finding this stuff. Uh, some some of the decisions that were made during the games. I, I I don't. Again, these are heat of the moment decisions, but there were some that that were questionable, right? Yeah. Um. I think like, and it's a. I think all of this is a fair fair question. Just as fairly as we say that you know on the other side of the ball, Raheem Morris has many questions to ask of himself and his sure. players. So, um. But we've we're just we spent forty five minutes on that part and got yelled at last time for how long we spent on the <laughs> defense. Right. So, <laughs> but they were a big problem this week, so we had to spend some time. Um. But on the offensive side, yeah, I think um. I think it like. I want to know how these decisions are being made and and what the argument and what the disagreement and what the the empowerment of authoritative knowledge is up there and in the headset and everywhere else. And I think, you know, you um, you see it in certain decisions like, um, for example, uh, Ben Baldwin, he uh, he's an analyst, um, really, really bright guy. Um, he is often he, he's got all sorts of algorithmic programming that he usually reveals certain decision making trends and efficiencies and inefficiencies. And um, he's he's been tracking, you know, win probability on fourth down when whether when coaches go for it, whether they don't. A lot of people track this, um, including our friends at EDG. At, Edge, I keep saying EDJ, yeah. but at Edge Sports, they're tracking this as well. Um, I just happened to see Ben's this morning, um, and I really trust his knowledge on the situation. Um, it, it just is not the – like Sean McVay historically on fourth down is just not making the right decisions. Right. And he – in terms of whether – when you when you decide to kick or not. Now, again, in terms of, quote-unquote, the flow of the game, which is not based on any sort of sound data. It's based on feelings. Um, which again, you know, I'm not discrediting how a game feels or the heat of certain things. And I certainly could not be making these decisions, but based on hard data, um, needs to be going for it on fourth down much more often with, especially when you have a quarterback who opens your play menu brought in a broader and deeper sense, even if that quarterback is not playing well. The, the fact that you have him on the field should open up the possibilities that you take those uh, take those statistically sound chances, take those st- statistically sound risks. Right. And yesterday, uh, by kicking on fourth down, uh, one of the field goals, first of all, they, they missed one. Uh, Matt Gay missed one. And then uh, another one that they had. Um, it cost them almost 15 points of win probability. Oh which Ben Baldwin found was the worst, the the highest dip in win probability in the last two years. Wow. Simply, simply by not by deciding to kick on, on those fourth downs. And the Rams are in there, by the way. I'm looking at this chart right now. You can go find him on Twitter at Ben B. Baldwin. Um, the Rams are in there five times, four times in the last two years in terms of biggest, biggest dips in win probability. Wow. And it's just... I my my question remains who I don't doubt that they're running these these this analysis live in game I don't doubt that who is empowered to authoritatively communicate right potential decisions and are those those are I mean they're clearly not being made right right and then and then you get into some of these other things that are uh you know head scratching and Sean McVay to his credit he'll be the first one to admit like 
he's the one who messed up, he messed up, he messed up, and he's got to put his team in a better place. But at a certain point, you, you, you stop looking at that and you start digging into like, well, why is this continuing? Like, why does this keep happening? And certain things like, you know, the sneak, the sneak on third down fails, yeah. right? So then you, uh, or the sneak on second down fails. So then you, you run the uh, one yard, you do a one yard pass. Um, and Tyler Higby should have, I think, should have had that. That was a drop, yeah. but also statistically improbable play relative to other play calls in that menu. Right. Right. And then, and then you you fritter away a second and four with an offense that's still going to be ranked, you know, top in the league in EPA and going to be high in DVOA. Like, still has the ability to do these different things. I mean, it's just not just just the. Not not just some of the decisions, but the sequencing in which they happen, I think, is is something that um, continues to continues to be a question, regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah, you know what? But yeah. I think it. But I think having Matthew should mean, and maybe it's just Sean McVay's own sort of evolving process that has to continue to happen. Is I I genuinely think he is and would be more comfortable in widening the the decision making process in those situations with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. And then all right. of a sudden, and then you see these gorgeous drives that they put together and they are trying new things and they're pushing the, the edges of the league and they're spreading things out and they're using every inch of the field. And then they just seem to like shrink down right. all of a sudden and back into like crazy conservatism, right? In terms yeah. of, of what they're deciding to do in those very, very short yard, small situations. And that's interesting to me, in, in not necessarily in a good way, but it is interesting to me. <laughs> You're right. That's a great point because we we just talked about how you know they, they started to feel the probably feel the heat a little bit, and then it start chucking the ball around. But then, so you think, okay, they're getting aggressive, right? They feel they feel the heat here. They know they're going to have to score some points. That, but then, like you just said, then they go conservative on these and and kick a field goal instead of going you know going for the touchdown. There, here's here's a here's the drive that that blends both of those things perfectly for me okay the rams we, we after the sequence i just talked about rams are down uh 21 to 10 it's it's now middle part of the the second quarter uh they drive the ball pretty well right they get down to the arizona 10 first and goal at the 10 daryl henderson runs the ball for six yards second and goal at the four incomplete pass overthrown pass incomplete fourth and goal from the four you're, you're down by 11 points. Your play calling has dictated that you feel urgency, that you feel like need a touchdown, need to put points on the board, need to keep up with Arizona, because you probably have that thought in the back of your head or the front of your head, maybe even, that your defense, mm, it's going to be a tough day. So we got to get some points here, right? And then you kick a 22-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and four. Um, didn't like that, didn't like not running the ball in a couple of plays before that, then didn't like the uh, decision there. The other one for me, uh, a little bit later, the, you know, the, the game obviously takes a different, um, you know, turn or, or what have you, but but the, uh, you know, fourth and four, you're, you're down 27 to 13, uh, third quarter, midway through the third quarter, again, driving the ball fairly well, get down near the red zone. It's fourth and four from the 27. You're down by 14 points. Uh, Arizona is moving the ball, is scoring. A field goal, best case scenario, 
you're at 11. That's still best case scenario, two possession game. If you get an eight and a three, you still need two scores. Uh, He puts Matt Gay out there. Credit where it's due. Matt Gay had been very consistent, had been given Sean McVay no reason to think he was going to miss a 46-yard field goal, but he did. (laughs) He pushed it wide right, and now it's a 14-point game, and the whole thing just kind of spiraled from there. Uh, that's the kind of disconnect to me, Jordan, that I think you're you're talking about there too, and I, I certainly agree. It was it was strange to see kind of the aggressiveness in in some areas that suggested, hey, we feel the pressure here, we feel the urgency uh, to to get this done to score points. But then when you have the opportunity to actually score points or to pr- try to get seven instead of three, they went the route that more conservative. And there, it's always been a little weird to me, not weird. It's always been a little bit unclear. Um, they had John Fossil uh, back in the day, kind of as that guy who, uh, you know, helped, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say anything that's wrong here, but, but he, he was kind of that guy. Um, and then I don't, I don't think Sean McVay was real happy with that. Uh, they, they brought in Jed Fish, who kind of became that guy a little bit uh, with, with those situational calls. I'm not sure what's happened, to be quite honest with you, after Jed Fish took off, whether that became a Kevin O'Connell thing, whether that became a uh, uh, Chain Waldron thing and then went on to Well, it else. can't be a Kevin. Sorry to no, please do. Again, please do. I've done it seven times. I'm so sorry. No, no. You're, it, cannot, yeah. it cannot be a Kevin O'Connell thing okay. because he's on the field. Okay, there you go. It has to be go. someone up in the booth. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So somebody in the booth. So whoever that may be at this point. So. Uh, obviously, Shane, Shane Waldron's gone, so it's, it's not him anymore. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that um, kind of, uh, you know, decision making is like in the moment. And, and obviously, again, it's, it's a very tight, you don't, you don't have a lot of time to think about it. You don't have minutes to think about it. You have seconds to think about it. Uh, so I get that, it, that it's tough, but it, it didn't it didn't feel right at the time, Jordan. It just, and it, and it didn't, the numbers didn't bear it out. And obviously the results didn't bear it out either. Yeah. That's something I'm curious and I'm hoping that, um, Sean McVay will be maybe a little bit more expansive on moving forward. Um, you know, last year I'd ask him about the fourth down stuff a lot and it kind of was just the same, same answer every time. And I think that's, you know, I understand that if it's someone specific, or himself, uh, then he's being accurate and saying it's on me. Uh, but if it's someone specific, you obviously, as a head coach, you're you're making sure that you know you're shouldering the blame on things. And if that means that you give sort of similar answers every time it's asked, and that's that's your prerogative. I'm not, you know, whatever. But but I think that's something I'm interested in. Um, there's just a lot of questions. The 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 trends. I think the theme of this podcast is like. We know what this team can put together. We saw it last week, and it was crazy driving home from SoFi um, this uh, last night, Sunday night, versus a week ago where it was like such a um, just really well-put-together, well-designed win against Tampa Bay, and then they come out and sort of lay an egg against Arizona. And, and like, it was just – the juxtaposition was just interesting. And so you think, like, yeah, you know what? You three body – three games, three bodies of work versus one. I think I take those odds in terms of the Rams um, that this is sort of a throwaway situation. But the theme of this podcast is the the – problematic patterns that you continue to find, the problematic trends and tendencies that you continue to find 
Um, one of them being what we talked about uh, for about 45 minutes on the defensive side. And then the other that we are talking about on the offensive side um, in terms of the decision making. I don't know. I I, I think I, I would believe and based on his own data over the years, I would believe that Matthew Stafford bounces back from from that game. Um, the Rams receivers particularly are among the most consistent group in the league. So I have no reason to believe that they won't bounce back from that. But the decision-making and the calls, those are tendencies that we see over and over again. And so you, you have to you have to keep pulling those out, even as you try to turn over and, and assume that this is an outlier game. You still look at those repeated patterns and those tendencies on the offensive side. And as I keep mentioning, Raheem Morris looking at those on the defensive side, um, looking you know at, at where they're at, really where they're at. And, and where they need to move um, going forward. So definitely going to be uh, uh, going to be an adventure. Uh, I don't think anyone thought this would be a cakewalk this year. I think uh, on this podcast, we certainly have been saying like, guys, it's not always, it's not going to be pretty all the time. There's going to be some bumps in the road here when you have this much turnover year over year. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be things that happen that you have to get through. And, and Kenny Young, uh, who, uh, he and Jalen Ramsey both, uh, were among the players and Matthew Stafford, obviously, and Van Jefferson, they, they were among the player. They were the players who spoke last night and I, I have to hand it to all of them for coming out and, and it's, it's not fun to do that after a loss. Um, but coming out and, and really speaking well about, you know, this is this, this particular week and how they enter the Seattle game, really tough, going to be very physical. Like I said, it might be a little bit hostile, certainly in a hostile environment up in Seattle, um, you're, you're going, it's going to test them and how they respond to adversity and, and how sort of, uh, their, their, not just their maturity, but also the soundness of their decision-making, um, will be moving forward and, and where they can evolve this thing next. So, um, certain, certainly going to be an interesting one coming up here, Rich. Um, I, I'm enjoying it. I will be uh, up in Seattle. I, I leave, um, Wednesday morning, so I will not probably get Sean that day. Um, but maybe remotely, <laughs> but, um, but it seems like they came through this game healthy. So hopefully for them, not a lot of injury updates on that front, but it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it is, Jordan. I, I love it. I mean, Thursday night football, <laughs> traditionally a little bit sloppy, but uh, it gets me a fascinating one to see how they bounce back. And yeah, just, just to put a little bow on it. I mean, all of, th- all of the things that we've been talking about, Jordan, during this podcast um, should, should be viewed through the lens of expectations. And not just our expectations, by the way, from from the outside, but the Rams' expectations for themselves. Uh, when you when you go out and acquire Matthew Stafford, uh, you you have certain expectations to when you when you make that move. Uh, it, it, this is not this is not a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. This is not the Atlanta Falcons podcast. If if this is one of those teams, we we would be having brutal name drop there, Rich. Well, brutal. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> but uh, you know it, we'd be having different discussions if we were talking about one of those teams. Uh, the the expectations for this Rams team are very high, and and they've set that for themselves. And I don't think, by the way, I don't think Sean McVay would shy from that. Uh, I, I think he expects the conversation to be at this level. And so you are going to be diving into certain things where you would say, oh, gosh, I mean, this is a three and one team. You know, it sounds like we're uh, people want to bury them. Well, no, that's that's not what it is. It's just that if, if you have expectations, if you have uh, goals that, that you want to achieve for your team, uh, you've got to start taking some serious looks at some of these things. And Seattle on a Thursday night up there uh, is going to be a great way to test that. Jordan, really excited for it. Um, can't wait to see your coverage 
which everybody always can find on the Athletic app and the website. The Pile, we, I know we got one early plug in for the Pile, but great, great column this week breaking down uh, that dreadful game. The uh, what, what did you call it, Jordan? It was a game that was as sloppy as a soggy pile of leaves in October. Yeah, September is over. <laughs> Beautiful. And it ended rude. It ended quite rudely. Yes, it did. So <laughs> if if you haven't checked out uh, Jordan's column already, please uh, go ahead and do that. Thank you, of course, to everybody who has always uh, supported us through their subscriptions. And and if you haven't already, for some reason, if you've just been waiting, you've been on the fence, please go to theathletic.com/slash eleven personnel to subscribe. And if you do that, you get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. I said it really loudly last time. I think I scared some people. So <laughs> I tried to I tried to just say it very, uh, very lovingly this time. Yes. A great discount. My favorite thing in the world. Every time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you receive a great discount. Um, usually it's a, quite, a, quite a hefty percentage off of that year-long uh, subscription. So definitely get on top of that. Guys, uh, thank you so much, as always, for, for weighing in on some of this stuff. Um, thank you for all of the comments, all of the notes, uh, following along with our inside jokes, um, which we super love and love also when kind of outsiders come in and they're very confused <laughs> by some of the some of the inside jokes that we all collectively have um just really appreciate you guys uh this is going to be a really important stretch here through uh, the next couple weeks of october uh november is also not going to get any easier december will not get any easier january will not get oh, any man. easier so uh it, it's going to be really fun uh, we appreciate you guys following along don't forget to uh leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast and uh, we will catch you next week <laughs>